But, you know, like I said, with the Heisman, let's do the Heisman discussion real quick, and then I'll get back to Texas and Oregon and the CFP. We had a conversation actually about this yesterday on the Longhorn Blitz podcast, and the the, the postseason college football awards are so convoluted because you've got so many people voting, so many different people voting for them. Uh, the same people that vote for – you know, the Heisman aren't necessarily the same people that are going to vote for the Maxwell Award, which aren't necessarily the same people that are going to vote for that are picking the Walter Camp Player of the Year, which aren't the same people necessarily picking the AP Player of the Year. So it's going to be all over the place. Uh, you know, Tavondre Sweat is a really good example. Tavondre Sweat is a semifinalist for the Walter Camp Player of the Year, which is very rare to see a defensive player up for that award. He's a finalist for the Walter Camp Award, uh, or a semifinalist, excuse me. He's a semifinalist for the Outland Trophy. But for the Lombardi Award, which goes to you know the nation's best, basically the nation's best box defender, linebacker, defensive end, defensive lineman, offensive lineman, he I I, I got a Lombardi Award ballot to narrow down the semifinalists to the finalist. He wasn't even a semifinalist for the Lombardi Award, so I don't understand the awards and how it's all going to work out, but. Uh, the Heisman, to me, uh, right or wrong, I still think it's going to come down to either Bo Nix or Michael Penix. It'll either solidify Michael Penix to me as the guy, or it'll may it'll it'll give Bo Nix that signature moment that he needs to go on a Heisman. I think Jaden Daniels should be in that mix. Jordan Travis, to me, would have been in that mix, uh, but you know, with, with the leg injury at the end of the year, not going to be in that mix. So, we'll we'll, we'll see at the end of the day. And honestly, if, if you wanted to. Had he not gotten hurt, you could make a really strong argument that Jonathan Brooks should have been in New York. But obviously that we can't go back into revisionist history, so it is what it is. I'll get to Jake's question as we get back into CFP talk. I said, isn't it still possible for Oregon to miss the conference championship game in lieu of Arizona? Yes, Jake, I think it's got to be a combination of an Arizona win and an Oregon loss to Oregon State. But, yes, it is possible for Oregon, uh, for Oregon to miss out on the Pac-12 championship game, which if that's the case, Bo Nix is not winning the Heisman Trophy. He might not even make it to New York at that point. It is possible for Arizona to get into the Pac-12 championship game, and I, I'm always I'm always wary of coaching searches when a, a candidate a candidate kind of emerges as oh they're emerging as the lead guy already. Uh, because typically, you know, in, in these coaching searches, it's kind of last minute where especially, you know, you follow any A&M reporter that's really following this as, as Rodney jumps back in, you know, they'll probably 24 hours out, 36 hours out, they'll, they'll really start to narrow down. And I've covered a couple of these with Texas and that's usually typically how it happens other than the Tom Herman one, which is instantaneous pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but Jed fish is the name Rodney for that A&M job that that's kept popping up and mm. kind of, I mean, not going to be a, a, a sexy hire, but, you know, you look at his background. Uh, he, he's got experience in the NFL. Uh, he's he's part of that Bill Belichick coaching tree. And you look at what he's done at Arizona, took that place from a doormat, which they were. I mean, you look at what Kevin Sumlin, when he left a and and went to Arizona, that program went way downhill way fast. And yeah. he's got them on the cusp of, of maybe getting to the Pac-12 championship game. Some, they, they need to win and get some help. but. Uh, I don't think Jed Fish is going to be the AM head coach. I don't think the name would come out this early and then it's going to be the guy. Like I said, I think you'll get, uh, you know, whenever the time comes, it'll be 24 to 36 hours out and it'll be like, oh, and this is the guy. And then you'll, you'll hear something announced. 
I had kind of heard some rumblings. Uh, I've got a lot of friends down in San Antonio. And, of course, Jeff Trailer keeps popping up into this. And, you know, obviously the interview right there, uh, UTSA taking on Tulane, uh, that's a big game for them. Um, I'd kind of heard some stuff that possibly if UTSA loses that game, which I think they will uh, in New Orleans, that that you may have something that if Trailer is going to become the head coach at AM, that that could happen maybe as soon as Sunday. But it seems like to me that the, the trailer thing has kind of lost a little bit of traction in the sense that you, you you heard that the interview was there. And I love how Jeff trailer is playing all of this off. I mean, he, he needs to be loving on that quarterback uh, that, that is finally playing his last game as a senior there. Um, I'm just not sure really how to gauge some of that stuff that I'm hearing about Jeff trailer. Well, uh, so the trailer stuff is interesting because I think for a lot of reasons, it would be, it would be a good fit. That'd be a great uh, hire. You. The gamble is you've got a coach with no power five head coaching experience. Yeah. Um, so, you know, do you, you know, you already went down that road with Kevin Sumlin a few years ago, you know, what he did at U of H and, and then taking the A&M job. Uh, does Jeff Trailer? I, I think a lot of it, you know, Roddy, what, what sinks if, if you're at a, and and you can take this as me calling A&M a blue blood or, or whatnot, but, you know, at a big time program, when it doesn't work out, Usually you trace it back to, okay, who'd that coach hire on their initial staff? And usually when it doesn't work out, it's a guy that did not do a really good job hiring his initial staff. We saw that at Texas. It was Charlie. It was the initial staff. The initial staff was terrible. Uh, you know, there's some good dudes on that staff. It just it didn't work. And, uh, and Tom Herman basically brought the staff with him from Houston. And there were a couple of guys, honestly, again, good dudes on the staff that there were some guys that didn't need to be power five assistant coaches yeah. most likely. Yeah. So it would be dependent on what kind of staff Jeff trailer can put together. But to the point, Rodney, that's interesting that you bring that up. These things do have windows. If, if you're going to, if you're going to get, if this is your guy, mm-hmm. you've got a certain amount of time to get it done. I'll give you the two best examples I can give you. When Mac Brown was on his way out eventually in 2013, Texas had a very specific window. If they were going to get the Nick Saban thing done, it needed to happen in a certain window. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. And it was no coincidence that at the football banquet that year, which still I will, I would never attend other, other than if I ever attended a wedding where they get to that part where it's speak now and forever, hold your peace or forever, yeah. hold your peace. If someone got up and spoke, that would be the only thing more awkward than that Texas football banquet. Because when Mac basically said, you know, coming back or whatever, and Steve Patterson was like, oh, looking forward to working with you. And almost as immediately as they said that, it starts coming across everybody's phones that Kirk Herbstreet is reporting that Nick Saban has signed an extension to state Alabama. Yeah. And there were, there were, there were boosters in that room riding at the Irwin Center that got up and walked out. There were, <laughs> there were fists being slammed on tables. Oh, it wow. Was, you could have cut that tension with a knife. And the worst part of it was for me, I had food poisoning. Oh, that day, shit. so I'd been, I'd been, I was a little uh, preoccupied earlier. In yeah, the day. yeah. So I'm like, well, I mean, I'm glad I glad my system stopped churning for a little bit, so I could attend this <laughs> thing. But yeah, it was awkward. It was really awkward. So there was that, and then uh, Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to USC. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at the timing of that, it, it had to basically happen from the time the the Bedlam game ended. Basically, all right, you've got you know, pretty much about 12 hours to make this thing happen if it's going to happen and they got it done. So yeah, these things do have windows, especially yeah. if you're a program like a and I, I think, I think the, the, for the decision makers, 
I think sometimes the perception that you were that somebody turned down your job, mm-hmm. uh, I think that over overrides sometimes or outweighs even hiring the right guy. Person, yeah. you know, you want the optics to look good. And, you know, part of this uh, kind of with that whole timeline that we're talking about in the window that, that you bring up right there, Jeff, is is to me, especially in the sense where if you're A&M and you're going to hire maybe not a uh, Urban Meyer, I mean, whatever. I mean, l- let's look at all the names, the, the bigger names, if you want to mm-hmm. call it that. Yeah. Um I think it could be perceived if you go get a Jeff trailer or somebody else that we're talking about right here, if you do it this quick. I mean, what what's going to be the perception from your boosters, from your donors of going and getting somebody that is not, uh, you know, one of those larger names or, or one of the big splash hires? Yeah, it, it, I, I think that's something you have to factor in as well. I think the other thing you got to factor in too with the AM specifically is, you know, the buyout money that they're paying Jimbo. Exactly. Uh, those are probably the same people you're going to, to to cut checks for the next guy and the next staff. And I know AM's got, you know, <laughs> If anybody can maybe go punch for punch with Texas as far as resources goes and money goes, it's probably AM. But at some point, I say this all the time, Rodney. These guys that 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 write these checks to these athletic departments for for coaching contracts and whatever it is, facilities. These these rich people didn't get rich by being stupid and spending <laughs> their and spending their money frivolously. Yeah, you know, they made it by making really smart business decisions. Yeah. So you wonder if maybe you gotta, you know, you've got to aim a little, a little lower. Um, the other thing, and, and Chip can speak to more about this, and I know he has on this show. Uh, maybe the dynamics hanging in with John Sharp being the chancellor. Um, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's probably his call on, on on who gets hired, on who the next head coach is. So if he wants Jeff Trailer, well, he's probably gonna get Jeff Trailer. If he wants Mike Elko or Jed Fish, then he's probably gonna get that guy. So. It's interesting. The, the other thing that's accelerated this too, Rodney, is the early signing period. Yeah, it, it used to yeah. be, hey, we you know we can we can hire a coach at Christmas, and he's got you know he can take the rest of this break and then hit the road running in January. Dude, you got to get on the road next week. You know, te- Texas mm-hmm. hopefully be prepared for a conference championship game, uh, so Sark and company won't be able to get out on the road. But the the good thing will be, you, you know, you're obviously you're playing for a conference championship. Everybody else though, you got to get out on the road. You got to get you got to figure out what you're doing and. Uh, so coaches either be, I think for most coaches, unless it's just like a, a legit dream job, like you, you grew up seeing yourself as a coach or Notre Dame or Texas A&M or LSU insert school here. I think you've got to, I think you've got to look at it and say, I don't need this job. Um, but if you want me to be your guy, I got to know in 24 hours, because if not, I got to hit the ground running and I got to finish out the signing class. I owe it to this yeah. program, whatever. So We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Jeff Trailer is always a good transition point to get to Joey McGuire in Texas mm-hmm. Tech. Uh, yep. Coming in here on Friday, Rodney. Uh, what I, t- I told you, my <laughs> my nerves for the Iowa State game started last week at an eight. Then uh, Jared Hufford popped off, and it was about a five and a half. I'm at about a four right now for the Tech game. Where are you right now? You know, Jeff, I, I'm actually pretty confident this in this ball game. I mean, I really think uh, the the fact you know, home game. I mean, uh, senior night. I mean, it, it just seems like everything that that's in place right here and everything that's on the line. Um, I've been talking about it all week on, on with you and then with Wags. You, you know, with all the conversation about everything else in the Big Twelve, the departure from the Big Twelve and all that. I mean, that is what it is. Bulletin board material mm-hmm. and everything. But I, I just think that the way that everything is laid out right here for Texas to just go in, it's pretty clear what you need to do. 
Just yeah. go in there and take care of business. And I'm very confident. And, and this is where, where I look at the growth of the program. And I know you can really speak to this to where the growth of the program here in the last two years, it really seems like the consistency, everything that's in place right here. This team, this team is trained and programmed for games like this. They're winning games that that they would have lost in the past. And man, th- th- they're keeping that big goal in sight and by the way you can kind of stick the knife in in the big 12 on the way out that just happens to be secondary it seems like to me but man i i i'm very confident right here dude i i think that this is going to be uh one of the more fun games that we see from this team this year i hope so i hope so you know this texas team you're right they are focused and i you know we had our staff roundtable at horse 24 7 i actually posted that a couple hours ago and it's it's one of the better, probably the best roundtable we've done, which, by the way, and I'll mention this before we get off. If you're looking for a Christmas gift for somebody that's a Longhorn fan, go to Horns 24-7, 75% off an annual mm-hmm. sub. You're not going to get it cheaper probably until this time next year. So it's our best deal of the year. Get over there right now and take advantage. And you can read that staff roundtable. And each of us kind of picked a, a Longhorn that's playing their last game or expected to play their last game on Friday. Uh, and I picked Tavondre Sweat, and I, I, I think there's there's probably not a better example of the maturity of this program than T. Sweat. Did you hear what he recently admitted, Rodney? Mm-mm, no. He did, a, he did an interview with Alex Okafor. It wasn't advertised or anything. Oh, yet. wow. We just kind of stumbled upon it. And Tavondre Sweat admitted that he was the one laughing on the bus Oh, when Bo Davis delivered the right and Ames. Sweat was the one laughing, and as he described it, he said somebody somebody told a joke, and as you can imagine, somebody you know, 6'4, 360 pounds, right. probably has a nice big hearty laugh. And that's when that's when Bo Bo started <laughs> railing on everybody and ripping into everybody. The funny thing about it though, because it was dark on the bus, Bo couldn't tell he was laughing. Sweat said he actually stood up and said, yeah, y'all quit joking around and laughing. So not only did he laugh, but then he didn't, he didn't cop to being the one who laughed. Oh, uh, but now you got a guy and I, you know, in that that piece I had, I, I pulled back a quote. And actually, I'll find it for you right now, Rodney, because I thought it was it was very poignant from Sark. You go back to camp and they had their second camp scrimmage. And, you know, we in hindsight, you know, we heard the defense was making it hard for the offense to run the football. And. Lo and behold, it's one of the best run defenses in the country. Mm-hmm. But Sark was talking about, you know, who the defensive standouts in that second scrimmage were, and he mentioned Sweat. And uh, he said it was probably his best day of the preseason at that point. And this is the quote from Sark on Sweat about uh, Sweat's performance in that second scrimmage. Quote, when he plays like that, we're a lot better because he's very difficult to block. Whatever mm-hmm. it was for Tavondre Sweat, that switch flipped, and yeah, he's a he's a good dude. And you ask anybody on the team, they'll tell you he's the funniest guy in the locker room. When it was him and Keandre Coburn together, it was like you know, insert comedy duo here. Like it was yeah. just nonstop laughs with those guys. But something changed for him coming into this year, where he still he still has his goofy side. He's still himself, but man, when he steps across that chalk line, it is it's all business. Yeah, and I and I don't think there there's any play to best describe the his maturity and the maturity of this team than the Iowa State game when they score the touchdown they answer the Texas touchdown in the third quarter it's thirteen to nine and Rodney you, you've seen enough football well, the one play where I don't think anybody 
is going to nitpick you for loafing is on an extra point. Mm-hmm. But he he busted his ass, broke through the line, blocks an extra point. Austin Jordan scoops it up and runs it back for two points. And all of a sudden, it's like all that momentum that Iowa State had just kind of got zapped. You know, kind of the air got sucked out of the stadium again because Tavondre Sweat decided, you know what, you scored on us, but I'm going to make sure it's six, it's not seven. Um, by mm-hmm. the way, we got two the other way. And those two points, mm-hmm. as, as Sark's managing the game and you're figuring out possessions and points and field position later on, that came in huge. So I, I just – I think Tavondre Sweat is the perfect example of the maturity this team has. But overall, Rodney, when you look at the game, I'm I'm confident from the standpoint we talked about this a little bit yesterday. If Texas Tech wants to try to line, and I, and I know they've kind of done what they've had to. Is it a philosophical change? Maybe because I think Joey McGuire does want to play a little more physical. Mm-hmm. But you look at Zach Kittley. Zach Kittley has been about as pure of an air raid coach as there is. Yeah. You know, when he was at uh, he was at uh, Houston Baptist, what's now Houston Christian, when he was at Western Kentucky, they threw the football all over the place. Now, you know, they're running the football. Tosh Brooks, who's really good. We know him from, you know, his days at Maynard. We talked about Maynard. him yesterday. Yeah. But man, if Tech wants to line up and just try to play smash mouth football with Texas and play it's this thing in work. a phone booth, yeah. I, ca- I can't I can't sit here riding and believe that that's going to be their game plan. Yeah. Uh, because I, if I, it is, if it is, man, that's you, – you're almost treating your offense like crash test dummies at that point. Yeah. Like, it ain't, it ain't going to be pretty. Yeah. It, and I think that's really what they have to do. I mean, even though I don't think it's going to work. I mean, it's pretty obvious right there. But speaking of Taj Brooks, I mean, because he is, he's a hometown kid. Quick, quick sound on uh, Sark talking about Taj Brooks. Well, he's got great contact balance. Uh, Taj Brooks, you know, he, the first guy has a hard time getting him down. And it's not always because of the elusiveness. It's his ability to absorb blows and stay on his feet and then continue to, to break tackles, get hard yards. Uh, they're a physical running football team. You know, I, I think naturally you think of Tech, and if you're not watching them, oh, they're running the ball. They're all spread out, and they're running, you know, zone read, and nobody's tackling the guy. And he's running. They're running up, and they're running gap schemes, and, and they're running downhill. Uh, it's a physical brand of football that they're playing, uh, and they still do it with tempo. And so you have to you have to get yourself aligned. Um, but I, I do think there's been a definitely a shift, philosophical shift um, that uh, that Joey has implemented to that team. That is a the physical brand of football offensively. That is playing to their defense. They've got a very good defense, and so those two things working together has shifted. You know, they're not playing 48, 45 games, and each team's running 100 plays. You know, they beat Kansas 16-13 a couple weeks ago. They beat UCF 24-23, to but they're winning games with that, with that philosophy and that style, uh, and so you have to adjust accordingly. But it all goes back to their ability to run the ball with Tosh, and he's a heck of a player. That's right there to your point, Jeff. Exactly. Exactly yeah. your point right there. Um, but, you know, I, I look at Tech, and granted, the passing numbers aren't, aren't what they have been, and I even mentioned, you know, whether it's Baron Morton or, or Tyler Shuck, Tech doesn't have a quarterback who's statistically qualified to be among the top 10 passers in the league at last check. But, you know, between Miles Price, Jaron Bradley, uh, Xavier White, Coy Eakin, that's kind of their top top three or four guys, they've got some weapons on the perimeter that can still hurt you in the pass game. And, and I've got to think that, Zach Kittley and that offensive staff, I, I've got to think that they've watched enough tape to think that, you know what, gives Texas problems 
it's stuff they can replicate and stuff they can do that's part of their base offense. You know, they can they can utilize bunch formations. They can they can use uh, they can utilize they can flood zones. They can uh, run a lot of in breaking routes. They can utilize switch routes. So a lot of that stuff that's given Texas problems where we've, we've seen in the secondary, they can do that. Uh, do they have the quarterback that can that can make it work? And and if so, do they do that, or or do they figure, hey, this is our identity, and, and this is who we're going to be? It's going to be centered around Taj Brooks and running the football. This is this is the horse that brung you, and and, and you're going to dance with him. So I, I don't know, Rodney, because I, it's not, I don't think it, it, it has nobody's successfully lined up and just pounded Texas into submission on the ground this year. Yeah. I don't think Texas Tech can do it. So I, I've got to think they're going to switch it up and and yeah. throw the ball more than we're probably expecting. Yeah, they're going to have to. The Mustang that bring you, like what I did yeah, right there. How about oh, that? That's nice. Hey, hey nice. I, I saw, I, Jeff, I saw that you guys reported at uh, horns247.com. Uh, and, and again, uh, folks need to take advantage of that uh, that special right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a five-star safety coming in from Florida uh, that, that's uh, going to visit uh, any other – this is, I mean, we're talking about kind of what's going to happen with AM. I mean, and, and I think this is great for Texas if you have folks on, on the fence right there, whether back and forth. Any others than that right there? I mean, there's a commit right there, committed somewhere else, coming yeah. to Austin, confirmed. Yo, on Friday. You got, yeah, you got uh, Xavier Phil Sam. He actually uh, was in yesterday, the five star safety. He's Adam McKinney. Uh, been committed, been committed to to Florida for Florida. a minute and, and kind of reaffirmed his, uh, his commitment to the Gators recently but ends ends up going to texas for an unofficial visit yesterday texas has been recruiting a safety position rodney that's one where i think you're going to see texas continue to kick the tires on high school guys uh, if there's if there's a target like xavier phil saying that they feel like they can get or, or potentially flip i think they'll mm-hmm. work on it until the 11th hour until he puts pen to paper somewhere else uh i think that's also an area you can see texas hitting the transfer portal and, and i think the high school recruiting for the most part is I don't want to say it's done, but the targets the staff has are pretty much for the most part set. Even even guys that, you know, they're they're keeping, you know, they're they're keeping their eyes on some guys and keeping guys kind of warm, so to say, keeping lines of communication open. But whether Xavier for saying uh, Kobe Black, Ty Anthony Smith, the linebacker out of Jasper, uh Ty Anthony Smith's actually actually so he's got a playoff game Friday afternoon, planning on making a visit. And he's committed to Texas A&M, by the way, really good linebacker out of Jasper, planning on making the visit after uh, his game is over and be here this oh, wow. weekend. So that's a big one. He, he was a, a a really high priority target for Jeff Choate early on in the process. And Texas is still, they've kept recruiting him. So, and, and until A&M hires a coach, if you're an A&M commit, I think you kind of owe it to yourself yeah. to see what's out there and make sure you've got, well, you want to call them fallback plans or plan B, whatever. I think you owe it to yourself. But I, I do think I think you'll see Texas be really aggressive, maybe more aggressive than they have been in the transfer portal, knowing that knowing the amount of uh, attrition they're going to have this year. Couldn't think of the word. Knowing the amount of attrition they're going to have, because not only are they going to have guys that are either out of eligibility or are, are seniors who don't want to take advantage of the COVID year, you're going to have quite a few underclassmen leave early for the draft. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd expect Jatavian Sanders to be gone. I'd expect Xavier Worthy to be gone. I wouldn't be shocked if Byron Murphy's gone. So you're you're going to lose. I mean, Adonai Mitchell's a guy that's got eligibility left. I wouldn't be shocked if he's gone. So you're looking at, at uh, having to transition a lot of your younger guys into bigger roles next year. And I think 
at the very least for depth purposes uh, or to have guys just come in and compete for jobs, I'd expect Texas to be real aggressive in the portal. Yeah, and isn't that the isn't that the thing with college football right now, where where you're looking here and and you know talking about the CF college football playoff, you know Texas, can they get into this and and winning Big Twelve championships and all of that, man? But you always have to, you know, it's kind of like one of those things when you go to driver's ed where they're telling you the IPDE, identify, predict, uh, decide, and execute. You have to be looking way ahead, and it's like you're driving along, and here here's everything that you're planning to do this weekend, and and put yourself in the Big Twelve championship. But man, you got to be looking ahead because like you're talking about right there i mean again there's a lot to happen this year but man things are really going to i always use the yahtzee reference i mean there's a lot here that you're about to throw out throw out of that cup because shit's really going to get jumbled up here once once you get through all of this yeah um if, if you want recruiting uh I'll give you I'll give you a place to go at Horns 24-7. The Stampede, that's our VIP recruiting news notes and nuggets package, drops every Monday morning. Hank South and, uh, and Jordan Scruggs do a great job with the Stampede. Um, Jordan's prediction, they each gave two predictions, and it's got a bunch of information in there and a bunch of just a bunch of really good stuff. Uh, Jordan's prediction is that Texas finishes with a top five class. Texas right now is sitting at number nine. He thinks Texas finishes with a top five class. And some of those names that we talked about, Rodney, are guys that uh, this staff is really going to push for down the stretch. Ty Anthony Smith, the linebacker out of Jasper, Kobe Black, we already mentioned, uh, the defensive back out of Waco Conley. Uh, Xavier Philsame, again, who visited Texas uh, yesterday. And then, uh, and you know, they've got a couple of the guys, you know, uh, Miles Davis is a, a defensive back out of Converse, Judson, who's committed to AM. So there's a, there's still a couple of AM guys uh, that, that they'll, move on uh you know tj Lindsay's a kid committed to auburn that they've been recruiting for a while uh dominic mckinley uh is, is a big defensive tackle out of louisiana says he's locked in with AM, but i wouldn't ex- I, I don't expect texas to to back off there anytime soon yeah. so uh, a lot of i think the staff pretty much knows who they're going to go after and the reason why i say be aggressive in the portal is pretty much once you get through the early signing period a lot of the guys that you're going to take uh a lot of the guy high school guys that you would take at that point they're either big time prospects who pretty much know where they're going, and you're probably yeah. out on those guys at that point, most likely, or uh, they're guys that at that point are probably going to be more so developmental guys for you, guys that were late bloomers as seniors. Uh, and at that point, you're thinking, okay, well, we want somebody to come in and help us. Can this kid come in and help us right away, or are we better off, you know, maybe taking a kid in the portal? So that's why I said I think Texas, you'll see them be really aggressive. It, it, this this portal season, Ronnie, it, it's wild every year. It's going to be but, out of control. You know, it? for, for Texas, it's like I said, with so many moving parts, it's yeah. And especially now the, the game changer is the NCAA eliminating the initial counters, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you get 25 in a calendar. Yeah. Year. Well, okay. All right. So we signed, we signed 22 last year. It means we can roll three back. So that means the 25, three, that means we signed a class of 28. Now, man, as long as you're 80 at 85, if you don't go over 85 at any time on campus, you're good. Yeah. So yeah. that that has been a a complete game changer. Yeah, me, I think that anyway. calendar thing is just massive. I mean, just and like we were talking about there with A and M. I mean, what are they going to do here? And that that drastically changes any coaching mm-hmm. change that's going to happen across the country. I mean, that's massive right there. You have to factor that in. And um, it, um, I, I tell you, man, it's uh it's a, the wild wild west right now. It seems like with all this shit. 
Yeah, Jake asked a good question uh, about defensive tackle because, I mean, you look at that position group. Uh, Tavondre Sweat's gone. Uh, you know, Trill Carter has another year of eligibility. So does Alfred Collins if those guys want to use the COVID year. Vernon Broughton, by all, all indications, are he's going to come back. And then, you know, Byron Murphy, like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Byron Murphy goes because – He's not gonna. He's not gonna stretch and get any taller, Rodney. His draft stock is gonna be what it's gonna be, and and he might strike. Go ahead and just strike while the iron's hot. Uh, you know, Jake asked about Sadir Mitchell, and I, I think you've got some intriguing guys in that room. You know, Jare Bledsoe is a guy that you know, from a size standpoint, he's not definitely not Tavondre Sweat, uh, but I think a guy that might be able to give you a little more natural pass rush from the mm-hmm. inside. Uh, when you look at the body type replacing Tavondre Sweat, yeah, Sadir Mitchell at you know 360 pounds, six six. That's the type of guy you're talking about. But you know, Aaron Bryant still hanging around. Zach Swanson. We'll see if any of these guys go into the portal. Uh, but you know, DeAndre Robinson is, is going to be a kid out of the state of Florida that I, I think might have a chance to play as a true freshman. Actually, probably will have a chance to play as a true freshman. Really athletic kid at six four, three fifteen. So you know, they're they're going to count on some of these young guys. But I, I would think. Defensive tackle is a spot where I think Texas is is going to look pretty hard in the portal. It's yeah. not a knock on anybody that's yeah. there. It's just you what can't you have, have to a, replace. Yeah, and Rodney going into the SEC, you can't have enough big people. You that's know, right. if you if you can get them, go ahead and get them. So I, that's but yes, Jake. Sadir Mitchell is going to be one of those guys that you know once we get to spring football, right before spring ball, we'll be talking about him as. You know, if we do a list at Horse Twenty Four Seven of guys, guys that need to be breakout players, he's a guy that that's going to be on that list. Jonte yep. Cook is a guy mm-hmm. that's yep. going to need to be on that list. Uh, Jare Bledsoe for me is a guy that needs to be on the list. Justice Finkley, I don't know if you want to call him a breakout player because he has played more this year, but uh, you know, a guy that you might look at maybe needing to step up a little bit. So uh, Anthony Hill, Anthony Hill's already broken out a little bit, but stepping into a bigger role. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, so it's just that's part of player development. You're hoping you're developing your young guys so that way when time comes to to push those guys up into bigger roles that they're ready for it. Well, and like you talk about the portal, I mean, this is the time right now. I mean, this is when you go and you ride that portal. I mean, you've got all this momentum. You've got a lot of eyes on you right now. And this is when you're really able to attract folks in the portal that that may want to come here. Jeff, before we dive in, maybe to the offensive side, uh, coming up against a game against Oklahoma State or Oklahoma State. What am I thinking? Week early. I'm looking ahead. I'm looking ahead. Uh, (laughs) Great Blue Heron Furniture. Have to talk about uh, those great folks. Custom Leather Furniture Company uh, started way back in the early 90s, back in 1991, focusing on heavy leathers, hides, and ranging uh, from traditional Western uh, to modern farmhouses. Got to tell you guys, this stuff is absolutely beautiful. Highest quality you're going to find. Don't sit in a janky chair like I sit in over here in my studio. You cannot, will not find anything more stylish, more comfortable, or better built anywhere out there there's a link right here in this youtube video click on that and you can go straight to our tsu uh collection if you use promo code hook'em 15 percent off of your purchase right there and as well you're going to get one of those badass last stand hats from our man bk if you're looking for furniture that looks amazing and is built to last for decades look no further than great blue heron furniture click that link right up there at the top or call them pick up that phone like in the old days 866-247-9688 on the offense uh going into this game, Jeff, I mean, obviously right here, um, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you think this, this coaching staff, I mean, you're going to go out, you're going to establish a run game and then let the other stuff open up. I mean, what your, your thoughts based on what this Texas tech defense brings into DKR on Friday. 
I, I think you've got to continue to kind of establish your throw game first and yep. then use your run game off of it. Uh, you know, I do, I do hope um, that CJ Baxter from a, let's call it a, a physical maturity standpoint, crossed a threshold last week against Iowa State because I think a lot of guys, especially running backs, you know, and Sark has talked a little bit about this too. You know, when, when you're a high school back, typically you're either bigger, stronger, faster than everybody, or you're playing in front of an offensive line that just overmatches the opponent. Right. And, you know, you're you're running through holes that you could walk through and probably get 20, 30 yards. But I think C.J. Baxter, Rodney, crossed that threshold of maybe, I, I hate using the term like this, but growing up a little bit in terms of learning that, hey, at this level, there, especially playing the position you play, there, there's going to be some level of pain that you got to manage throughout a game. Yeah, and I think for him to be dealing with the the hip slash low back issue, and to run for a hundred yards, probably where he was just gritting through it and gritting his teeth, most likely. Hopefully, we see a CJ Baxter that's that runs with the kind of juice we saw him run with in the second half when he was hurting. Uh, when he was having to grit his teeth and, and get gut through it. Uh, hopefully we see that kind of C.J. Baxter. But, again, I think at the end of the day, I think your your weapons, the focal point of your offense now, is your throw game. And I think one of the things that Sark really did that I liked, um, you know, one of the ways that defense Iowa State runs, that John Haycock defense, that three-high safety defense, one of the ways you could really kind of give it some problems, uh, stress it a little bit, is, is utilize an empty formation. Uh, mm -hmm. doing things that are going to make them show their hand quicker than they want to. And I think Sark did a really good job of, I don't want to say he tinkered in the first half, but really trying to figure out, okay, I think these are, are the pressure points where we can attack at points in the game, you know, maybe set some stuff up to come back to some stuff in the second half. Cause I think you look at some of those drag routes they ran for Xavier Worthy. Certainly that touchdown pass to Jordan Whittington was one that, that he dialed up. I think, I think that might have been, in the Alabama game included, Rowdy, that might have been Sark's best half of football mm -hmm. just in terms of the stuff he dialed up because uh, you could kind of you can kind of go back to points in the first half and be like, all right, I think they were setting that up with this series of plays on this drive. They were setting that up with with, with this series of plays right here on this drive. So everything kind of made sense. It just it fit. And then sometimes with, uh, with a Sark game plan, is especially as the game goes on, sometimes it doesn't fit. Sometimes there's there's no rhyme or reason. It almost seems like they're just kind of running yeah. plays at some points. Yeah. But everything worked. Everything fit against Iowa State. And I know it's easy to say that in hindsight, right? Like you win the game, okay, it works. When it loses, what the heck happened? But overall, I, I thought it was maybe his best half of football. Uh, again, I think establish your throw game. And look, I always say, man, when you've got the kind of athletes Texas has, especially an Xavier Worthy or, uh, or a Jatavian Sanders, dude, See if they can see if that defense can make one on one tackles with some mm -hmm. of your guys and just let your athletes go be athletes and go make plays. So I, I think that's what Texas should do. And plus, in this offensive line, who I thought played really well in the Iowa State game, they're you know, they did give up some sacks, but that's a really good pass blocking offensive line. It's actually one of the probably one of the better pass blocking offensive lines in the country. So yeah. play yeah. to your play to your team's strengths. And I think we saw that against Iowa State with Sark. I think it's use your throw game to set up your run game. And then if you can get both of them clicking, if you've got the right kind of balance, now the whole playbook's open. And now, now you've got Steve Sarkeesian in a game where his entire call sheet is available to him. And that's exactly, dude, if I'm a defensive coordinator, that's no place I want to be.
No, exactly. And it, it really did seem like, like what you're talking about right there with Cedric Baxter, it, it seems like he did, he grew into the role right there. Cause if you go back and look at it and, and, and Sark's comments after the, after the ball game as well, I mean, it really was, I was telling Wags about this yesterday to where we listened to the comments and it really was, if you listen to what Sarkeesian was talking about, it's like, okay, insert uh, running back one. In this case, it was Baxter. He talked about how he established a running game there with Baxter and then, and then blue became, Baxter before yeah, I is really, really is really I what really like, like I really like Jaden Blue no yeah I thought he had a really good game against Iowa State it's just the guys that run with that uh, assertiveness that decisiveness mm-hmm. now I'll say yeah. this I got <laughs> I got a text from my uh, got a text from my high school offensive line coach we always you know, we always <laughs> shoot the bull during games yeah uh, it kind of got one of those texts like you know. What did you see wrong with that screen pass? And before I could even text back, it's like, God didn't wait for his blocks to get set up. <laughs> you know, like, like hey, if you go back, the Cowboys ran one of these. I don't remember if it was a screen pass or a swing the other night. Uh, maybe it was, it was a run. I don't remember. But they, did, they flip it out to Tony Pollard. And if you watch him run, like, he lets Tyler Smith get out and or Tara Steele gets out and kicks out the corner. And Biotis is leading him. And you see Pollard kind of slow down put his hand on Biotish's back, and then as Pollard mm-hmm. makes his cut, he kind of pushes Biotish where yeah. he needs to go. I'm like, that's a smart running back. That's a running back letting his block that's set right. up, and and you're, you're right. helping you're helping your big dogs out. Jaden Blue will learn. I, I'd rather – but I'd rather have a guy that uh, his motor runs a little hot and have to have to simmer him down a little bit than a dude you'd have to – you have to kick him in the ass and, and get him going. But, man, it's – I just thought that was funny because I knew it as soon as I got that text. I'm like, I know Blue didn't set his blocks. Yep, so yep. I have a little, I have a little patience, young man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, got, got to let it all set up. Got to let it set up the right way. Je- Jeff, what have you heard? Because I, I know even there was conversation after the, uh, after the Iowa State game about, about yours. I mean, you know, we've had comments here uh, on on the shows about well. He's not, he doesn't seem hundred percent, which he's not going to be, I mean, no. he's not going to be, but, but I mean, kind of the thoughts right there, how, how is that coming along? Because not to put the cart before the horse, like I did before that read right there, hmm. but if you're going to be looking forward, I mean, what, what, I mean, Qu- Quinn has looked great, but yeah. uh, what, what, what are we thinking there with Quinn yours here as we go into the Friday game with tech? I think you, you saw it against TCU and you saw it against Iowa state, the throws where he's going to have problems consistently making are Throws where it's you know hash mark to the opposite sideline to the those kind of to, float to, to, a little to bit. the field yeah. side, yeah. especially if it's uh, a down the line throw where not only do you have to throw it with velocity to get it there, but you got to throw it with accuracy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think it's especially kind of where t- turning the body and you know it, I don't know enough about shoulder injuries to know like you know body contortion and things like that, but it just seems like you're putting a lot of strain on your rotator cuff to make some of those field side throws, um, you know, the stuff kind of to the, to the boundary or even stuff between the numbers where he can just kind of zip it. Uh, to me, that's the stuff where we really haven't seen a problem with Quinn. Mm-hmm. But if you go, I bet if you pulled a sample of his throws, Rodney, and you can tell me if I'm wrong based on the eye test, I think a lot of the throws you see problems with are going to be those field side throws. Yeah. I think even some of the deeper field side throws he can still make because he can still, he doesn't have to worry so much about putting touch on it because you do have to rip it like those deeper comebacks, those deeper outs. But again, I think it's like the the screen, your perimeter screens, and and even some of your shorter passes, kind of those short to intermediate passes within like line of scrimmage up to, to eight nine yards. 
that's the stuff where he's going to struggle still. And I, I think he probably will. Hopefully he doesn't do it the rest of the year, but yeah. you know, the only way it's going to, it's going to get better for him is just over time. And, and, and that thing, you know, recovery with him is so big. That's why if Texas can win this game on Friday and, and, and lock up a spot and you know, you're playing in the big 12 championship game, the extra, I, I said it yesterday, and I'll keep repeating it because I think it's so big, especially if I, it might be more for Quinn Ewers than anybody yeah. on this roster. Yeah. That extra day to rest, especially while Oklahoma State and everybody else that's in this thing is playing on Saturday, that extra day to rest, and then you can get into your normal day off on Sunday, which is a treatment day anyway, and then get into your game week routine, that that can make all the difference, I think, for Quinn in terms of being able to get to game week for a conference championship game and feel like, all right, you're – you're healthy, you're rested, you're good, you're ready to go. But I, I think it could even be more of a problem this week, Rodney, than it was last week for him just because of the short week. So I think mm-hmm. this week it could be a little bit of a detriment, but maybe you know, if you win the game, you get to Arlington next week, you could see a little bit better version of Quinn Ewers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and if you touched on this while I walked away, I apologize, but 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 I want to hear it myself if you already touched on it. So you, you had the CFP ratings that came out uh, last night. You had mm-hmm. one little shift right there. And I know that it, they must have been watching Texas Sports Unfiltered because they were totally <laughs> going down the chaos stuff uh, about uh, what happens if this and this and this and this. Your thoughts on all of that, man, because th- this is really about to get – I know you and I talked about it. You know, I don't think we really went in depth because no. obviously the business at hand is what it is. But, man, um, this is really about to get just just a little bit gnarly. I think it's about the only way to put it. Uh, I think – and, again, Chip's got an article up on the site about this, but where you can go there to get more in-depth about it. But just, you know, kind of the, the cliff notes, the bullet points. If you're a Texas fan, you need to root for Georgia mm-hmm. to win out. You probably need to root for Washington to win out because at that point you eliminate Alabama and Oregon from the discussion. And you you, you need Florida State ideally to lose to give you your easiest path. Um, and you probably, you probably need Ohio State to beat Michigan because I think the committee yeah. just need – I said it yesterday, Rodney. I think the – and I think we started hearing this, some of this stuff last that. night. I love that. Uh, the yeah. committee just needs a reason to not put Pretty Michigan in this thing. Yeah. yeah. So – I think that would be the easy out for them. Where I think it gets interesting for Texas is there's two things I think about this. One, I think if you really if if it comes down to Texas and Oregon comparing resumes, I think Texas resume is better than Oregon's. Yeah, I, just simple period point blank. I think they've got a better resume, especially if you look at the ranked wins Texas would have at that point. You know, you'd have a win over Alabama, you'd have a win over K State, and you, you beat Kansas at the time they were ranked, and maybe they win their last game and get back into the to the rankings at the end, especially like if Tulane loses and, yeah. and whatever happens in the American. Uh, and then you'd have a win probably over Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. So your only loss would be to a ranked Oklahoma team. Uh, I, I would take Texas resume over Oregon's at that point, mm-hmm. and, and that would be up for the committee to decide. Do you want to put it in the committee's hands? I don't know, but I would like my chances. Uh, you know, the other thing that I keep I keep coming back to is – if it's resume comparing with Texas and Alabama, yes, Texas went down to Tuscaloosa and won a game. And, and I heard my guy, my guy Josh Pate at 24-7 Sports last night on his show saying, hey, Texas went down to Tuscaloosa and they won the game. They won head-to-head. That has to matter. And I'm thinking, you know, Josh, it should. But if you're a Texas fan, you lived through 2008 when at the end of the day, head-to-head didn't matter. Yeah. yeah. And granted, it was a different system. Yes. But- 
Yes. I talked about that yesterday to to where that's the one thing that I'm seeing here again to where, whether it's Texas or whoever it is, somebody's going to get shit on here, Jeff. And I'm (laughs) I'm not, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that I agree with it, but I'm prepared for one loss, Texas and one loss, Alabama to be for you to be comparing resumes. And if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, I'm prepared for Alabama to jump ahead of Texas. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. That's what I want to happen. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just, I I lived through 2008 and I'm prepared. I'm prepared for it to happen again. I heard that argument last night to where it's like Texas beat an Alabama team. That is not the Alabama team that it is right now. Uh, I I heard that part, but this is where I go back. They're they're planting the seeds, Rodney. They're planting the seeds. But at the same time, Jeff, it's like, so so where does it factor in that Texas wins two games with a backup quarterback? And this is Mm -hmm. where, man, this is where this gets so convoluted. And and there are so many different factors like that. I mean, now with Florida State, I mean, I think a lot of folks are already discounting Florida State (laughs) at this point. Um, but at the same time, if they keep winning, they're going to be a part of this. Dude, if Florida, so, if Florida State is an undefeated Power Five conference champion. They're in. They're in. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't care. I mean, I I said that in 2014 when I didn't think they deserved to be in. They should have been in. I didn't think they were one of the best four teams. I, as a matter of fact, you know, the argument came down that year to Baylor, TCU, at Ohio State for four. My point of contention was. Why is Florida State just scot free in this? Because they had, they hadn't played a very strong schedule. Mm-hmm. The ACC was garbage that year. Uh, I, I thought I thought TCU. You want to put Ohio State in? Fine, put TCU in ahead of Florida State because I thought TCU was one of the most, four most deserving teams, and they're mm-hmm. one of the four best teams in the country that exactly. year. Um, so, but history has proven, man. Conference championships matter to the committee. Unless we're probably talking about the SEC, unless unless it's a, a one loss Georgia and that one loss is to Alabama in the in the SEC championship game, uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm, I'm prepared for it. Uh, I see Jake said if Bama jumps us in that scenario, then what's the point of scheduling those non-con games? Exactly. Yeah. That then yep. that then that Jake is the argument for playoff expansion. Yeah. yeah now I you mean, can play those non-conference games, and there's really there's really no if you take care of your business, otherwise there's really no negative consequences for it. Yeah. And that's where the, this is all so subjective because, mm-hmm. I mean, it, I don't know, Jeff, it's like in some cases, whatever doesn't matter, but then in other cases it does. And, yeah. and again, and, and, and look, I'm kind of taking the, the Texas part out of this discussion that, that I'm about to tell you, look, yes, this is a very different Alabama team than what Texas saw. Um, they yeah. seem to be, they seem to be better. <laughs> they they yeah. seem to be better, so you factor that in. And I heard that last night as well as to where, well, Texas has been struggling. Texas has been struggling to win. But you know what, Jeff? There have been a lot of teams struggling to win. And that's where it's just – this is this is horseshit. That, that's throughout the history of time, though. You know, like you, yeah. you, look at, you look at a lot of national champions. Like the one that I go back to, um, Ohio State in 2002 – I thought that was an Ohio State team that had no business beating Miami. I thought they didn't even belong on the same field with Miami. Because you look back at some of the games they played in that regular season, I mean, they had a game with Purdue where I think Craig Krenzel completed like a fourth and 15 or something late in the game. They won like a 10-7 game in West Lafayette. Like It wasn't an overwhelmingly great Ohio State team. Uh, but there, you can look at there. There have been national champions that struggled along the way and then kind of figured it out toward the end. Uh, but I – 
that to me is a it's a slippery slope when you start saying you know well this team was this team you know when you when you beat this team you wouldn't beat them now okay well why why are we why are we dealing in the world of hypotheticals when you have something tangible right here that says no these two teams played on the field and and maybe if they play that game it's like i said with the texas oklahoma game this year maybe if they play that game in Tuscaloosa, they play that game 10 times. Maybe Alabama wins eight of them, right? Well, the, one of the two occurrences happened on that night. They play it once. They play yeah. it once. That's yeah. right. So it's to me, it's it's whatever the committee's gonna do. I, I just think you know, to hear you know the ESPN crew kind of planting the seeds of well, like you said, well, I mean, are, Alabama's a lot better now. I mean, it's mm-hmm. I'm just maybe I'm just being paranoid, but I'm I'm prepared for it. I'm prepared for Texas to have one loss, Bama to have one loss, and you know. Sark just kind of being able to throw up his hands and say, I, I don't know what else you wanted us to do. I mean, our, yep. your one loss at that point was in the last 15 seconds of the game to your biggest rival. You you went to Tuscaloosa, a place where, you know, nobody wants to go to play a non-conference game. You did, and you beat Alabama, mm-hmm. and you won the rest of your games, won a conference championship, beat ranked teams along the way, won two games in the back of quarterback. And, oh, by the way, you're probably, if you win a conference championship, you'll do it without maybe – your most consistent offensive player throughout the year exactly. with Jonathan yep. Brooks on the show. And, and what's your reward? Yeah. You know? Getting left out. And that's, that's exactly, I mean, like, like you're talking about right there. I, I am, I am, I have been all week immediately going back to 08. It's like, man, here we go again. This yeah. is, this is the same shit all over again, Jeff, before we dive out of here, I do want to ask you uh, because we have Thursday, obviously Thanksgiving, all the cool mm-hmm. stuff, uh, food and, and everything. Your thoughts on the NFL games? Obviously, the Cowboys taking on the Commanders. Uh, we've got the the late game, you know, with the 49ers and, and Seattle. Uh, Detroit, uh, Detroit, a very good Detroit team. Finally, uh, you yeah. watch Detroit, uh, 11 o'clock, whatever the time is here, and it's like it, it's a winning Detroit Lions team. How about this shit? Kind of kind of your thoughts on the slate that we have uh, that, that's going to go with all the food, family, and, and fun tomorrow. You know, the lines are usually so bad that that's, that's usually the game where I'm like, you know, if the wife wants to finish watching the Macy's Day Parade or something, I'm like, yeah, just, you know, I, I'm going to go get another plate. It's fine. Just make make, make sure that TV's on at 3.30. Just make sure it's on. got to hear the noise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just make sure it's on where it needs to be so I can watch the Cowboys. Cowboys in Washington is the way it should be on Thanksgiving, right? It's like every year. Look, in the state of Texas, we're, we're, the, we're the most pure football state in this great country, right? That's what we live for. Mm-hmm. Every Thanksgiving, we should get Dallas and whatever the Cowboys and whatever the Washington franchise Washington. is calling themselves this year. Uh, we should get that on Thanksgiving. That that should be the, the 330. And then at night, forget the NFL game. We should get Texas, Texas AM. That's how it should be in this state yep. on Thanksgiving. Right. That's right. I'm not now I'm not saying look, we we got special sessions, and I know lawmakers have bigger fish to fry. I don't want I want y'all focused on what the great people, the good people of Texas need. Don't be yeah. dipping into sports and stick to politics. That's but right. you know, if there could be a law that says that's what has to happen, I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. it. And people had to abide by it. Um, but you know, the, the Cowboys thing is interesting just because uh I feel like Sam Howell's played some good football lately. Um, that Washington team record-wise, I mean, what are what are they right now, Ronnie? Their record's not very good. I know that they're not. I think they've won three games, four, yeah. four games possibly. So they're, they're they're interesting. Uh, but you know, the Cowboys should win that game, and and good. Well, that's the way it should be on Thanksgiving. You, you know, Jeff, I agree, but but something about some some of the I think the Cowboys are like four and six in the last ten Thanksgiving games. So, so but, 
but they've been they've been really good at home, which I you know it's That's really true. weird. That's true. If, if you look back at the first few years that that they played in AT and T, I think back at that point it was still Cowboy Stadium, and they weren't very good at home. They were better on the road. Yeah, and now they've kind of got this home field advantage crafted for them. It's really weird how it's worked out. I thought as as cavernous as that place is, it would be hard to have a home field advantage, especially since. You know, visiting teams, that's where, hey, if you're a Cowboys season ticket holder, you know, if, if the Steelers or the 49ers or the Packers are coming to town, well, I'm going to sell those tickets and basically get oh, yeah. the ticket money back. Yep. But they, they created a nice home field advantage, and 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 they've actually been really good at home of late. And and the Cowboys, with the exception of the Cardinals game, which weird stuff happens out there anyway whenever the Cowboys go to Arizona, uh, they've been really good at beating the teams they're supposed to beat this year. Mm-hmm. So. I'd look for them to, to take care of business. And is this 2014? Why are the 49ers and Seahawks getting the, the night game? Why are they getting the late game? See, that, that's what I was wondering. I, I saw I saw something, I think, on NFL Network. They were talking about, oh, it's it's traditions. You know, Detroit and Green Bay, Dallas and, and Washington, and the 49ers and, and Seattle. I'm like, Seattle was an AFC team, for crying out loud. <laughs> uh, what the hell? What, what are you talking about traditions here? Um, yeah, I, I don't know why that was. The, that, that is kind of a... I'm not sure why that's like, late. honestly, I would pick like, uh, I would flip flop it just cause I'm, I'm when it comes to Thanksgiving, you know, I'm not a traditionalist, Rodney. I don't care. You know, it's, it's, it is whatever, except for like Thanksgiving football, I would yeah. rotate it. I would have like the bears host one Thanksgiving, like host the Vikings or the Packers yeah. or you know, host whoever. Uh, and then the following year, let the chiefs host. I don't know. There's something about like, the franchise attached to George Hallis, who's got the Hallis yeah. Trophy for the NFC yeah. champion, and the franchise that Lamar Hunt founded, because you got the Lamar Hunt Trophy that goes to the AFC champion. Uh, I think that's still the case. But I just yeah. alternate it, right? Or, yeah. or hell, just may, let the Bears and Chiefs play each other on Thanksgiving and, yeah. and have it in Kansas City one year, have it in Chicago the next year. Yeah, no, no, I love that. I love that. That that's how you tie in when you have Detroit and Dallas. If you want to bring in uh want to bring in the rest of tradition, that that that's a great one right there, dude. That's back to back days right there where people are gonna hear what you're saying, Jeff, and they're like, Whoa, heard it on or, Texas it's unfiltered. Or give me like a regardless of what the records are gonna be, give me like Steelers Ravens or Steelers Browns. See, that's what I was I thinking. Just, AFC I just want, North. Yeah. I don't yeah. want two teams. I just want two teams Thanksgiving night to to take me out of a food coma. Well, just just two teams that don't like each other, just beating the piss out of each other. Just yeah. give me that outdoor game. Put them out there if it's cold, maybe get a little snow or ice or something like that, and let yeah. them have at it, man. That that would be your nightcap right there. That's that's how you wash all that food down. Uh, you can give me something like Giants Eagles at that point. I really Dude. don't care who wins, and I really just want to see you beat the piss out. Absolutely, of each other. just just beat the hell out of each other. That that would be the perfect way to cap off Thanksgiving. BK, you think that should be a law? What I'm talking about is on Thanksgiving you get the Cowboys and whatever the Washington Football franchise is calling themselves these days to stay ahead of the law, and uh, and then Texas Texas A&M for the nightcap. Yep. Agreed, 100%. Uh, what do we have? 27 amendments right now, so the 28th amendment needs to be, yeah, the Cowboys and the football team need to play every year, and the Longhorns and the Aggies need to play on Turkey Day every year. Mm-hmm. If that happens, you need to start becoming a tea drinker or no? Still still putting your foot down with no tea? Uh, well, apparently I'm a tea sipper, and I have been my whole <laughs> life. Still not That's entirely right. sure what that means. but I don't uh, get that either. No, no, and why do they that's keep talking about Tulane? What is TU? When do the Aggies play Tulane? I don't know. Uh, Tulsa—they have some long-standing rivalry with Tulsa that I'm not aware of. I'll tell you what—I think both Tulsa and Tulane would beat A&M this year, though. 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Tulsa's pretty Tulsa's pretty bad. But you know what? It, it, the the right thing for AM to do would be to hire a guy like Willie Fritz that's just a really good football coach, but they won't. No. That no. makes too much sense. That makes way too much sense. Yeah. I mean, Fritz was uh in the mix at Kansas before the Jayhawks decided to go with Lance Leipold, but I kind of view those guys in a similar light. Like wherever they've gone, they've been able to build programs and win. And that that is what AM needs right now. But Fritz ain't flash. His daughter's pretty good looking for those who are curious. But his uh, daughter? Yeah, yeah. Lane Fritz is okay. uh, I heard it from a friend. I, I've done zero research on the matter. Mm. Um, but uh yeah, no, that would that would be a pretty good high for AM, as would Jeff Trailer, like guys who just go and build and win, but are they flashy enough names for them? I don't know. How does how's Jed Fish strike you? Yeah, I saw uh somebody on 24-7 sports, maybe it was Marcelo had an article talking about some of the candidates at AM and yeah, Jed Fish, his name is is starting to surface a little bit. Um he's done a good job. I mean, Arizona's playing some damn good football right now. Like they're they're playing like a top ten team in the country mm-hmm. that they've figured things out over the last month. So I don't know. I got there's a chance it would work. He wouldn't scare me as much as some of the other names they could hire, but I do think they could do worse. It's kind of weird because now you've got Texas fans that need to pay attention to that hire. It's for the last few cycles when they hired a coach. It's been like, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're not playing them anyway. Well, yeah. you're about to start doing it again. Matters so, now. Yep. Yeah, you're dating. You're dating the ex again. You know, you always check in on your ex, so we've always cared. But now uh, the ex is uh, – maybe she's dating your cousin. I don't know if she's dating you, but she's back showing up at Thanksgiving dinner again. So you've got to deal with her again. Hey, and not only that, BK, looking better than ever. Looking mm. better than ever. Or better, better, better than she has been in a long time. I guess I'll say yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's got some issues, but to us, she looks good. Looking speaking all right. speaking Looking of people all. with issues, Rodney, uh, Rodney, you got to run. Yeah, I got to jump out, boys. Uh, y'all have a great Thanksgiving, guys. Uh, don't overindulge. Enjoy the football. Uh, we'll catch up on Friday. You're the Sounds man, good, Rodney. Rodney. Appreciate it. Speaking of people uh, that have issues, do we figure out if Bucky is serving lemonade and baked potatoes for his Thanksgiving? He said he wasn't. And I'm disappointed that Bucky did not share the baked potato story today. Oh, come on. I know. I know. Part of me is mad at myself. I did remind him once in the middle of the show, but I I didn't remind him twice. And I should have brought it up at some point. Well, you know what you got to do then? Hmm. And I think it's better the closer we get to Christmas. Just have him put on his Santa hat and his Santa suit and let, let everyone gather around the Christmas tree while Santa Buck pedals his sack and regales us with the day he Swapped him. Well, I'll, I won't ruin it for anyone who hasn't heard it. But. <laughs> no spoilers. I yeah. think it's all it's perfect for Thanksgiving, but you know what? You can if you play it right, it can be just as good, if not better, for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or uh, you know, we're doing our pregame show on Friday for uh, Texas and Texas Tech at Crown and Anchor. Maybe that'd be a good live in-person story to tell. Yeah. Just the actual crowd reaction to to hearing that in person. Just no props, though. Like, you That's a good. Need- don't need visual aids. No, no, don't need visual aids or aids at all. Right yeah, aids now. would be bad, BK. That's a bad way to spend the holiday, I would I would assume. Yeah, yeah. I'm good on that deal. <laughs> I'm good on that deal. Are, are, you, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, I'll go get tested again if okay. need be, but I was clean last time all I right. went. So had a, had, a, had a close scare a little keep bit. The, keep, keep, as they say in the wintertime in Texas, keep the pipes wrapped and you should, yes. be, should be good. You, you and Rodney – you gotta you gotta bounce. I don't know where Trey no, is. I can hang out till Trey gets here. Um 
I don't know what he's doing. Uh, what do you got? Is there a lot of cooking going on at the house right now, PK? Has that started yet? Yeah, there is. We've uh, so I'm in Galveston at my folks' place, and every year my parents host for Thanksgiving. So I think we've got 35 or so coming to the crib tomorrow. Nice. Um, a lot of people are bringing their own stuff, but we do the turkey and a couple of the sides at the house. So. Uh, I can hear something's being prepared over at the how house. Yeah, my my wife is doing uh, pies. There's a, I was sent to the store the other day to get some Granny Smith apples, which as you know, yeah, the Granny Smith apples they're only good for apple pies. So, mm. Yeah, the Granny Smith apples. Yeah, I, the, the, the Granny Smith apple. If I'm power ranking apples, the Granny Smith apple it might be at the very bottom, just in terms of you know, the apple to eat as speaking, that's a great segue to trade coming on as we're power ranking apples. Yeah. We've got uh, our fruit here at Texas sports unfiltered <laughs> trailing joining us right now. Trey, you know about fruit. Let's say you granny, some granny Smith has to be the worst apple, right? Trey granny Smiths are only good for baking. They're too sweet. And there's also a little bit of a sour component in there. They're great baking apples, but terrible snacking apples. Yeah. I only knew you used Granny Smith apples for baking, BK. I, I baked a pie in home ec class in high school. It was actually good. Yeah? You still have it? No. And I didn't go Jason Biggs with it either from American Pie, though. Mm. <laughs> didn't do that. Oh, you should have. You haven't lived until you banged a pie, Jeff. Don't well, you know that? Uh, you know, I, that would have been involved. Like, there would have had to be microwaves, and there would have been a mess to clean up, so I just helped. I'll take someone else's word for it. Uh, hearing your wife's reaction to you saying that is yeah. one of the best moments we've had on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Tell yeah, I, I better go before I get myself in trouble. So, <laughs> uh, You're the man. Yeah. Around, Jeff. I'm very sorry. I was a few minutes late today. My apologies. No, it's all good. Have a happy Thanksgiving, fellas. See Same you guys. to you and, and the wife and the kid, man. Happy Thanksgiving.